Welcome back to the next episode of the Mass Business Podcast. My name is Matt Ward. I am your esteemed host, and I am so excited to bring you an awesome guest today, a good friend of mine. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that I've got two books out. That's right, two books regarding referrals and business ownership. The first one came out in 2018, more word-of-mouth referrals, lifelong customers, and radio fans. You can find the link to Amazon right in the show notes, the website, the social media posts, and the link in the uh, description on YouTube. And don't forget about the high five effect, how to do business with people who bring you joy, endorsed by Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First. Uh, This book came out in October of 2021. I believe it to be my life's work. Why should you be doing business and hanging out with people you just don't get along with? So let's just think about high five with everybody, COVID or not. Now, today's episode is episode nine. I'm so excited to to bring you uh, my guest, Julie Migliacci. She has over 17 years of high-touch customer service and event planning under her belt. There isn't an event that she hasn't planned before, from large celebrity fundraisers to virtual conferences to even premier cooking shows. She's always up for a new challenge and creating unique experiences for her clients and her guests. Hailing from France, Julie has lived in four countries and considers herself a global citizen. She currently resides in Boston, Massachusetts, and is always looking for an opportunity to jump on a plane and do something new. Now, something you need to know about Julie, if left on a deserted island, Julie would bring her sourdough starter named Steve and her cats. I'm excited to share this episode with you. It's going to be a great one. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Mass Business Podcast, where small business owners, also known as risk takers, share their stories about the growth of their business and themselves. Our interviews and our content is focused on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. I say it all the time, and I'll say it again today. You never know where your next referral will come from. Hey, 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 Julie. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? really really good it's gonna be a great one now i know what you do but i'm sure our listeners on their favorite podcast channel or even our viewers over on youtube have no real idea what revent consulting is so why don't you just take 30 seconds and explain sort of in simple terms what it is you do at revent consulting Sure. I mean, I thought we were world famous, but apparently not. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Revent, we are a virtual event planning company. So we help clients uh, execute and schedule virtual events. Uh, and we really specialize in the hybrid format. So how do you do an event and do a full virtual as well as a full in-person event successfully where the web audience isn't just watching television, they're also having you know, an impactful and fun event. Um, so we've been doing this uh, for about 15 years and been uh, revent consulting as a private entity for the last two and a half. So Okay, so very ride. interesting because virtual conferences became all the rage during COVID lockdown and all of that. And Zoom became all the rage to the, the majority of business people in 
2020, 2021 because of the work from home and all of this stuff. But as a professional speaker, we were using Zoom a long time before that and consultant and coaching. But you guys were using it even before I was using it, I'm sure, it, along with many, many other platforms. What's it been like to watch this? I don't know if it's even a resurgence, this surge in online communication tools to run online conferences. What's it been like? Oh, it's been a ride. Uh, the industry thought we were going to get here, but everybody thought it was going to be like a 10 year you know, journey. And then all of a sudden, when shutdown happened, we just fast forwarded 10 years in the future. Uh, but it's been really just fun seeing people, seeing the benefit of it. I think uh, pre-pandemic, there was a lot of feeling that it was less than. It's like, oh, you're going to attend the virtual component. Oh, mm -hmm. you're not getting as much out of it. And they're realizing that you're not getting the same thing out of it, but doesn't mean you're getting less than the in-person audience. So that's been really interesting. And for me, my own personal victory was my father had no clue what I was doing for 15 years. I tried to explain it to him a million times. And all of a sudden, about halfway through, he's like, I understand what you do. I was on this thing called GoToMeeting. And there was a person on there making it work. And I was like, thanks, Dad. It only took 15 years and a global pandemic. But we got you there. So. Yeah. And, 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 you know, some of us skeptics would wonder if Zoom's business plan actually had a section for a global pandemic because their stock went through the roof. Oh, um, yeah. I so could only imagine that. what it was like to run your business years ago, right, 10, 12 years ago, when this was just like, I mean, were people just laughing at you with this stuff? No, they were, I think we were working with a lot of big corporations. So Fortune 100s that had a huge workforce and the mm -hmm. CEO needed to be able to talk to the workforce in on video. But at the very beginning, like it worked sometimes, it didn't <laughs> always work. Uh, the bit rate or the quality of the video was very, very low. Uh, yeah. You know, it would crash companies' networks at the beginning where you would mm. launch the video globally and the entire company would go down temporarily. So the early days were a little, you know, more interesting. Um, <laughs> I love you were going to say funky, funky or maybe broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just kept it going. You're like, it's yeah. going to be fine. But it was new tech and people were willing to go along for the ride. Uh, nowadays, there is no tolerance for it not working. Uh, right. The, the slightest buffer will result in emails and it's broken and it's not working. And you're like, well, why are you watching? They're like, oh, I'm sitting in Starbucks on Wi-Fi. And you're like, well, you don't have good internet. That's why. It's, it's not that it's not working. It's that you don't yeah. have proper internet right now. So Yeah. So let's let's talk about the growth of your business pre-pandemic. You didn't see this thing coming. You didn't know it was going to come out of the blue. You didn't know that demand. I mean, you're one of those companies, right, that, that, that hasn't contracted during the pandemic. You've grown because of what it is you do. You happen to be in that space. But prior to that, what was it like growing the business? I mean, you're a small business, just a short handful of people, right? One, two people. Yeah, um, three of us. What What was it like? What were the things that you were doing to garner business? I mean, how does a small business sell to a Fortune 100? It's hard. Uh, you know, Fortune like 100s like to work with big companies. Like they, yeah. that's what they like. That's their comfort level. That's what they like to do. So we actually launched as an independent company in uh, November of 2019. Mm -hmm. 
So we were just getting started when mm. the world shut down. Uh, but our approach was really just boots to the ground. Like, let's go talk to people that know us. Let's hire sales reps. So we have a team of sales reps out there that we just pay them commission, but they're in mm -hmm. the space, they're reselling constantly, and they have the ear of the big one Fortune 100 companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talking to partners that we worked with for years that knew us from our previous experience, they knew that we could deliver because we've delivered in the past, that they then feel comfortable referring business to us. So it was just a lot of networking. Like you just need to get out there and tell people like, this is what I'm doing. It's not just updating your LinkedIn profile to be like, I have a new job. It's really just getting out there as much as possible. And when the shutdown started, we were just starting to get a lot of traction. So the timing somewhat worked out for us. And were you constantly doing online networking before the pandemic anyway, right in the, in the, you know, the fall of 2019? Oh yeah, just uh, getting on groups. Uh, Zoom's been around for a really long time. So yeah. I would say they were less common. Uh, right. Now I'm on like five Zoom-based networking groups a week. Uh, and I find it to be a really powerful tool um, to just meet people from all over the world. It's wonderful. How did you, I mean, you, coming from that world and then launching your own business, yeah. um, pre-pandemic, I mean, I guess, let me ask you this question. Knowing what you know, I mean, Knowing that you were facing a pandemic, not knowing what would happen with your business, would you have launched if you knew that was coming? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I think we were so ready to yeah. do our own thing. We saw the industry was changing rapidly where it became less about the tech because the tech was is stable at this point. It's working. Mm -hmm. You know, there's bad days, there's good days, but overall the tech is working. It became the, our industry was changing to be more customer service based where people need event planners the same way that you can plan mm -hmm. your own wedding or you could hire a wedding planner. It's not that the tech's super complicated. It's more, why do you need to do the learning curve in order to execute? So we were seeing that shift and I think we would have done it regardless. Um, yeah, because I mean, I think my mind to, to we don't know what we don't know as people that put on online events. Yeah. Um, we think we know enough about the tech. We think we know we can just do Zoom or do StreamYard or whatever it might be, but we don't know best practices. How do we get most, how do we get all the people to the thing? Is it just email marketing? Is it just social media posts? Is it, you know, influencers? What, you know, what, you know, what's going to drive traffic? Because I live in this world as a speaker, right? So I'm not the speaker that they book to bring ticket to make ticket sales happen right that's bill clinton that's seth godin that's mike mccallowitz yeah all the all the the name people that have like a tribe that follow them and then they buy the tickets and all that and so I'm, I'm more about what they call content speaker and um and so i've even put on events i put on live in-person events numerous ones i put on uh live online events and my biggest struggle is how to get people there. And it's just like every other business owner I've talked to on this podcast in the past, which is how do I get more sales? Yeah. And you want to get butts and seats, you know, that's, that's what's going to drive specifically for your type of virtual events, where it's yeah. really about getting you out there. It's about, it's a way to network and show your worth. Um, so yeah, that, that's the hard part. Uh, you know, virtual events, you have to, there's so many little tricks to help engagement and attendance. 
Uh, mm-hmm. For example, Tuesdays is the best day to put on a webinar. That's where you're going to get the most attendance. Uh, you want to do it either early in the morning or later in the afternoon. Um, there's so many little tricks like that. You want to charge a small entry fee if you want to guarantee attendance. Uh, if you don't really care, just expect about 50% drop off. Yeah. Um, live event. So, and so how did you, how do you, you know, these are the type of things you coach your clients on as mm-hmm. an event planner. Um, and I guess, I guess my big question is what's the one thing you've done since launching as an independent company? What's the one thing you've done that you feel has been successful for you to gain and garner more exposure and or more clients? Uh, I think it's really just doing what we say we're going to do. So what I mean by that is 90% of our sales now is through clients that have worked with us and have referred us. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge driver of income for us. And the way, the only way we've been able to do that is by telling somebody like, Hey, we're professionals. We know what we're doing. And you're going to mm-hmm. trust us with something that's really important to you. An event is important to you. And if it fails, mm-hmm. that's going to be a big problem for you. So we make sure that it is executed properly, that they leave happy, that we, we help them and we consult with them throughout the way. And we create a real partnership mm-hmm. uh, to be able to deliver. And I think if we hadn't delivered, we wouldn't be where we are today. Like, Talk to me about that growth because I imagine I imagine it's been exponential during the pandemic and you're still a very small company, right? How many people do you have? Just two of you, three of you? We have three of us and then we work with about 15 contractors that execute. So you do outsource currently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's that experience like for you? I mean, one of the things I, I kind of firmly believe in is that you should outsource your weaknesses, right? Yes. And that's what this season is all about. What are the challenges that you face around outsourcing? Uh, there's a few. It's a lot of trust. Honestly, mm-hmm. you're putting trust in another human being that doesn't have the same invested interest in your company as you are. Like Revent is my third child. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of energy, a lot of effort. If it fails, it's my personal failure. You're putting trust in people that don't have the same invested interests and might not do it exactly the same way you would. And I think that for me at the very beginning was very challenging to let go of that and be like, it's okay. They're going to be okay. And just finding the right people, I think is where I landed at the end. Like not. And, and, and do you, what is your process to find the right people? I mean, do you have a vetting process? Is there any tricks mm-hmm. of the trade that you, that you know, like for me, Whenever I post something like in an online sort of, um, you know, portal to get people, I'll put like a code word in the job ad. Oh, that's so that they have to, if they don't even include the code word, it means they haven't read the job ad. And then I just, I don't care how great they look on paper done in the, in the trash that goes, I just, I just file it away because no attention to detail, right? They didn't didn't put the effort in. Um, Is there anything like that that you do? Uh, we don't do quite like that. For us, we find the we we sort of nail down the characters the characters traits that we need people to have in order to yeah. execute a virtual event. So that's somebody that's super calm under pressure. Where if things start going wrong, because really we're there for when things start going wrong. When things start going wrong, how do they react? Mm-hmm. 
what's their customer service skill and how easy is it to teach them? Those are the three skills for our technicians that are running events for us that are so mm -hmm. vital. And if they don't have those, and you could see pretty much very quickly. If yeah, how do, you test, how do you test the first one? The, sorry, what was the first Under one? pressure, that the, 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 things go wrong, how do they handle it? How do you test that? Well, we often gravitate to, even if they don't have virtual technician experience, is are they, have they, their past job experience been, you know, traditional event planners make great webcast technicians. Video mm -hmm. producers make great webcast technicians. People that I've been in a stressful environment, like one of our techs used to work in fast food. That's stressful. It's somebody that needs to react quickly to a situation. Mm -hmm. And then often on the call, we, you know, we do the initial interview and then we do an initial training session. Let's train you. Let's see how you do. Mm -hmm. Even if you've never done a virtual event before, let's train you. And oftentimes you could see very, very quickly how they're going to react to something new and that's unexpected. And right away we could see if it's going to work. I think you definitely have to test these people, whether they're employees and or contractors, you have to test them. To, to validate that they have the skill set that you need to cover. I'll give you an example. Um, my friend Jason Cutter is a sales uh, coach, trainer. Whenever he hires a salesperson for a company, if he's, if he's hired by a company to hire their salespeople, one of the very first things he'll test them on at the end of the interview, he'll say, you know, uh, thanks for coming in. I'm not sure that this is a good fit. Um, so I appreciate your time and uh, uh, thanks for coming in. Yeah. And How he does that react? Later. He does that with every single person, right? Because what he's looking for is, can they overcome the objection? That's an right? interesting Are they confident in themselves, right? And overcoming the objection is one of the big skill sets in, in sales, especially if it's an outbound cold caller person or an inside sales rep or whatever. And so that, that's one of the things that he'll do. Um, and, and I think that's powerful. One of the things I used to do at my web design company, when I was hiring an administrative assistant, or frankly, anybody, but the, the example I'll give you is when I hired an administrative assistant, my office in Gardner, Mass. A person came in for the interview. We sat at the conference table. We did the whole interview. I said, okay, great. Um, now, if you could, on, on that monitor there, here's the mouse and the keyboard. If you could um, just on, you know, open up Chrome and, and go to uh, CNN.com, and I would mm -hmm. just randomly pick a website. And um, and right before they started, I would grab the mouse and take it away. And see what they did. And see what they did. And there were people that started looking at the keyboard and trying to figure it out. Trying to figure out. And there were people that asked me if it's possible. And then there were people that just gave up. They were like, I have no idea how I'm going to. And, and that's a personality I, trait. You can't I fix knew, that or train that. That's right. I knew yeah. that their inability or their in their their desire to figure it out wasn't there. And that's the trait I needed. Yeah. Because if I say, hey, can you get this done? I don't I'm happy to answer questions. Hey, what do you think about this? Or hey, I'm trying to do this. Do you know how to do it? But I'm more interested in someone's desire to learn and grow by literally hammering it out on the keyboard. And most people, because they've used a mouse all their life or whatever, they have no idea that you can navigate a computer with a tab button on a keyboard. 
And even I note that, but I think it would take me a minute to be like, yeah. okay, well, so I have a keyboard. I'll figure this out. Stand by. Yeah, exactly. And you wouldn't quit though, right? Yeah. And that's the thing I was looking for is, are they going to quit on me? If they quit on me, then they were out because I just knew that they were going to quit on other things. Oh, they were going to like, like, how do I do this accounts payable thing? Or how do I deal with this contact database, this CRM or something? And because I'm not there to train them on the CRM. So while they can go online and learn some stuff about the CRM, they have to be willing to navigate around and through that CRM without all of me helping them and telling them what to do all the time. And I think that's a big part of outsourcing. It is. It's finding the right character traits. And because there's some things you could teach tech, you could teach things to somebody, but you can't change who they innately are. And if those innate characteristics aren't there, then yeah, you know, you gotta. What I love, I completely get that a company will outsource this project to you, right? Online virtual conferences, because they immediately know that's out of their wheelhouse. But you know, you've outsourced, Mm -hmm. you don't have to, because you guys can do some of the tech. Why is it important for you to outsource? So that we can grow. Um, Simple as that, you know, there's only three of us. So mm-hmm. at some points in the pandemic, we had days where we had 15 overlapping events, mm. all congruent. So the choice is then, do we say no to these clients and say we are booked and that limits our growth potential? Or do we find the right people? And since we've been in this space for a long time, we already knew a lot of people that were yeah. doing this. So it was like, and we knew them from years of it, like just working with them and all these things. So we knew the people we could reach out to quickly and be like, hey, we need to, we're growing really, really fast. This is what is needed so that we could continue. And I think if we hadn't done that in the early months, we wouldn't be where we are today. Are there other things in your business that you outsource other than the, um, the, um, sort of tech management of stuff? Uh, We also, we work, so um, a lot of, for hybrid events, we need a lot of AV equipment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, cameras, switchers, screens, Mm -hmm. the whole shebang. Uh, We own some equipment, but we work with a lot of local crew partners that again, because we've been in the space for a long time, we have contacts that we could tap into so that we don't have to fly with, you know, an HD giant camera oh, right, bag, right. all those things like, Hey, you need a crew in LA, got a guy. And then we work mm. with those people that we've worked with for a long time that we've vetted that we make sure are going to execute properly to make sure the event goes flawlessly. And, and what then- about your marketing and graphic design, website, bookkeeping, all the, all the ugly extras. stuff about running a business. You outsource any of that stuff? Uh, I have a bookkeeper that helps me unmessify mm-hmm. my. <laughs> I'm going to be politically correct on this one. This is another word normally I use. Like books <laughs> when yeah. I mess it up. Uh, so uh, we have somebody that we have a lawyer, we have an accountant for taxes, uh, those types of things. We do have an SEO person that I think that's a viable, mm-hmm. like that's something you really need in any growing business is mm-hmm. how you searchable, those types of things. Uh, but yeah, we sort of, we outsource as we grow and specifically when we see that we have a failure of knowledge, like we have a payroll company. I don't know mm-hmm. how to run payroll. Yeah. Do you know yeah. how to run payroll? No. Yeah. So you're yeah. going to find a trusted 
again, we vetted a bunch of vendors. We want to make sure it was right and found a, one that had a good personality fit with us mm -hmm. and was well recommended. Mostly you... people laughed at my jokes on the first call. <laughs> I was like, I like you. <laughs> do you. Do you find it difficult to let go? Sometimes. Depends on what it is. You know, with, is that because it's your third child? It's my third child. Yeah. But, but you know, at some point the child needs to leave the nest, right? Exactly. Well, my, my preteen is telling me that on one hand. <laughs> so I'm assuming my business eventually will tell me the same thing. Like it's yeah. time, mom, you can let me go. But you know, over the last two and a half years, we've already started to let go of things that if you had told yeah. me week two that I was letting go of, I'd be like, are you crazy? Yeah. There's no like bookkeeping like, is right. Like, like literally, because like everybody feels like the bookkeeping is the numbers, you know, it's the bank account and all that stuff. And it's not really all that stuff, but it's, it, it seems to, in small business ownership, it seems to all run together. So it freaks people out a lot of times. It does. And, you know, you're giving a lot of very personal information to somebody else. Like they have yeah. access to your entire business and you know, Shit's Creek might happen to you. Like all of a sudden all the money has gone and you have to move into a tiny town. So who knows? <laughs> a lot of trust with the bookkeeper, but I adore mine. She's wonderful. Yeah. So um, a couple of questions I like to ask our guests um, when they're on the podcast and, and that will help our listeners on, you know, uh, on the podcast after listening to or watching on YouTube. And that is the first one is, um, you know, what, what business book would you, uh, what business book would you recommend that a business owner read? You're putting me on the spot right now. Can Have I be, read some? can I be perfectly honest? That's what we do here. I we want read, you to be. I don't read business books. <laughs> do you, do you listen to audio books? I don't really listen to, I'm not a big self-helper uh -huh. kind of person. Where, where I get my advice from is talking to business, like networking, talking. Like one of our clients is a C-level suite executive coach. Mm -hmm. I pick his brain all the time. Whenever right. he's running an event, I'm on it because I think that's really interesting. I, I'm more of a real-time learner, mm -hmm. uh, so I wish I could recommend a business book. If you had told me ahead of time, I would have Googled one, but in this case... No, I, I don't <laughs> want those answers. Uh, I have to admit, I don't... I've never... In my personal life and in my business life, I've never been propelled to read those types of things, but cool. I, they help a so lot. So in lieu of having one, then we'll just recommend my book, more word of mouth. <laughs> Matt's book, uh, my right. favorite, next. the high five effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next, the next, the next uh, question I like to ask people is, what piece of software in your business, not specific to your business, but yeah. to running a business, what piece of software could you not live without? Zoom. Yeah. Can you, could you live without Zoom now? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I could. I mean, at some point, I, I don't want to be on Zoom anymore. I kind of feel like that a little bit. Oh, Zoom burn. We could talk about Zoom burnout all day. I got a bunch sure. of tips for you uh, that could help. But I don't know how you would run a business without Zoom or email, actually, for that matter. Remember yeah. back in the day when, like, you'd have to write a letter and then they would get back to you three weeks later? Like, how could we move at the speed that we're moving today without these tools? So it's just. Yeah, it's so interesting because back when all that came about what was it the early 90s blackberry was all the rage yes 
with the right. the flashing red light. Yeah, and I had a Blackberry Storm. It was one of the first touch the screen ones, and just recently Blackberry ceased operations. Oh, and they totally stopped. I thought they were still yeah. going. Yeah, they totally stopped. Oh, yeah, and so like when you think about the evolution of a business, I mean they didn't evolve just like Blockbuster didn't evolve, you know. And there's countless oh. stories about how um, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix and refused. Which is nuts. Which is nuts. Yeah. They would still be here. It's like or, I feel like <laughs> Blockbuster is the last of the Mohicans. <laughs> it's just hanging around. You know? We're trying. I think the last I saw they were selling puzzles of movie posters. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, hey, whatever works. But oh, how the, not the, oh how the mighty have fallen. I mean, that was my entire childhood. Fridays in the 90s. Go pick, fight with your siblings in Blockbusters as to what movie you're getting, and then order, like, Domino's. Yeah. All of the 90s. And if, if you were late or didn't rewind, remember, be kind, rewind. Be kind and rewind. And that, you know, those tapes actually invented a whole other product. The tape rewinder. Oh, That really? machine that you would put it in, you would put a VHS tape into an actual machine that would rewind the thing. Wow. And that's all it did. That poor guy's out of business. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so um, really great conversation about growth and outsourcing. I love this type of stuff, especially when it comes to you know online event stuff and, and uh, really intriguing. If people wanna get a hold of you and, and, and learn more about you, network with you, Julie, or even find more uh, about Revent and what it is you guys do and how you might be able to help them. How would they get in touch with you? Uh, the best way is via email. So my email address is julie at revent.consulting. Uh, and then you can always go to our website, which is revent.consulting. We're on all the social media channels. Uh, if you want to laugh every once in a while, I tend to go a little nutty on Instagram. Uh, but, you know, you could always check us out or give me a call. Uh, 347-439-9166. Always happy to help. And any person trying to do a hybrid or virtual event, first hour of our time is free. Talk to us. There you go. Let pick there up. There you brain. go. And 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 I would I would recommend that you take a little bit of that time and talk to her about bacon sourdough bread. She seems to know a lot about that from the intro I heard. I don't have baking sourdough bread. So for all okay, you sourdough well, bakers, I'll out send there, you my address. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. You know, these are the types of conversations we want to have. This is why I wrote the High Five Effect. You want to surround yourself with awesome people that make you smile and have a good time. Folks, don't forget to do that. Don't forget to follow us on all the social channels and Mass Business Podcasts. All the things are in the screen and on the show notes. And we really would love to have some, um, some followers and some subscribers over on YouTube. And make sure that you like and hit the notification button over there. That way you'll get notified when we put up all the episodes. Uh, and obviously, you know, we ask for four or five star ratings. You can give us a one star rating. Even that's better than a no star rating, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but you should give us a five star rating on the podcast platform because, you know, it's the high five effect. <laughs> so as I always like to say, thank you so much, Julie, for coming on the show. We greatly appreciate it. I'm excited to have you on. And folks, don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five. Everyone around you.
Thank you for listening to the Mass Business Podcast, where we focus on growing a small business and understanding networking and referrals. Don't forget to like on your favorite platform and share out this podcast. This show has been produced by Heather Grant, music by Celtic Kelly, all rights reserved. I'm your host, professional speaker, author, and word-of-mouth referral consultant, Matt Ward. Don't forget to live happy, smile a lot, and high five everyone around you. Feeling all right. High five the world. Nothing.